welcome back to another episode of Friendly Shadows. Today in the shadows, we have Stephen Crane and Laura Kelsey. This is going to be good. Shadows. Today we have a special treat. We have Stephen Crane, and he's driven down to talk to us about his career, about what's going on now, just about whatever he wants. We're going to turn the floor over him to him so he can tell us a little bit about himself. Wow. Boy, it's a long story. <laughs> you know, I started out like most kids that were, you know, 13 when the Beatles came out. I sent my mom to the record store. She was going to buy a record, and they didn't have it. She comes back with the Beatles. I want to hold your hand. And that was it. That was it. I saw the Beatles and at 13 said, that's what I'm going to be. So we formed a band. Uh, and I grew up in Granfield, Oklahoma. And there was no one there that played guitar. There was no one in town. So it was just like, well, if you want to play guitar, you're going to have to just figure it out. So I did that. And... By the time I was 17, we had a record deal. Oh, wow. Going from not playing at all to 17, I had a record deal. You know, back in those days, there, was, there were these small independent labels, like, like there are today, but back then it was kind of scarce. They were like a, kind of like a farm club for, a base, for the majors. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, they, would, they would be in Texas, Oklahoma, Louisiana, Arkansas, you know, just that's that little that little area and we got on we 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 did a record and it got picked up by a a label in new york so that got us into like teen screen magazine and all these yeah right it was quite it was a trip uh you know then after that we we really kind of became the biggest band in the area you know wichita falls lawton iowa park all the surrounding areas and uh, by 1969, I had, I was at my house in Burke Burnett and a knock on the door. And there was this guy named Howard Ragland at the door. And he said, look, I put bands out on tour, on national tours, and I heard you guys were great. And I said, well, you know, we're, we're, we're relatively unknown. And he goes, it doesn't matter. So <laughs> that summer, we went out on tour and toured the entire Western United States you know, back then, and this is what helped baby springboard, there was one station in Oklahoma City. A- AM was king back then. So you could advertise all of your gigs on one radio station that everybody listened to. Oh. So we would just power those spots every night. And by the time we got to places, people already knew who we were. Oh. So that kind of started the whole, uh, the whole thing. And then baby was... Uh, Went on for about nine years, ten years. Wow. 
Well, you know, I've heard a lot of stories. You know, we have a lot of mutual friends. Right. Sure we do. And, and I've heard a lot of stories about Baby, and so I had to listen uh, to what I could find right. for myself. And, I, man, everything I find says Austin on it. What, what is your affiliation with Austin? Uh, well, the stuff, I, I moved to Austin from Southern California in 2005. Hmm. But the, the Baby Band was actually a Wichita Falls band that moved to Amarillo. Oh, because okay. Amarillo has such a thriving music scene out there, and it was also located right there where we could go into Kansas or we could go in, you know, up to Nebraska, up through the Midwest. Oh, okay, yeah, that makes sense. I have a twelve-year history driving trucks. Right, and, right. You know, Amarillo was like the big hub. That's the big uh, hub. Yeah, yeah, hub. That's the big uh, hub. Yeah, yeah. Gosh, it, there's you know, my, my mind is just exploding with some of the stuff you said first off i didn't realize that about radio back in the day and making people show up for gigs oh, now yeah. you if you want people to show up for gigs you got to make flyers for the music store you got to get on your spotify you got to get on facebook you got to get on twitter you got to get on instagram you got it and back then it was just everybody listened to the radio i had not ever thought about that before yeah you know now i look back and go my god if we'd have had facebook and stuff it would have been so much easier to do because back then, if you didn't, if you weren't on the radio or you didn't come to town, nobody would know who you were. Mm. But we we built a really huge organization. We had poster guys. We had the manager out booking the gigs, and the poster crews would come through and poster the whole town, and we would just bomb the radio. Yeah. And you know, the, the big difference with Baby was we didn't. We didn't like go to a club and negotiate with the club owner. We would rent the halls, buy the advertising, and and do the gigs ourselves, which sometimes was fantastic. You'd do really well. Sometimes it would be a bomb and you'd lose your your ass, you know? Oh, man. Yeah, they just don't do that. Today, in order to do that, you would have to do it with the VA hall or something. Right. Well, that's what we did. National Guard armories, Mm. VA halls, local auditoriums. We got to the point where... We were doing, you know, the municipal auditorium here downtown. We sold that out. We sold out McMahon and in, in, in Lawton. Wow. So we were putting on big shows. Wow. That's great. Man. Okay. Now, yesterday I mentioned that I noticed on one of your credits it said you had Jay Winding. Jay Winding. Jay Winding. Yeah. I, see, I've just read his name. I've, right. never, I've never heard anybody say it. I don't, and there are some of the people like I saw Lukather, I saw Picaro, I saw Survivor, I saw, uh, gosh, Richard Page from Mister Mister, Mister Mister, Tom Kelly, yeah, background singer did a lot of uh, REO backgrounds and stuff. Yeah, and so I'm just wondering now. See, uh, I have I've never heard anyone talk about Jay Winding except me, but I mean he did everything from. I mean, just almost, I mean, almost any track you can think of from a certain area, a certain era he was on. And then, and then wound up doing Alvin and the Chipmunks. I, I know. <laughs> Jay, Jay did lots of stuff. I mean, Jay, this was back in the day, the early 80s of the session musician. And, you know, Lukather and, and Jay were two really popular studio musicians. They played on everything. Yeah. When we were doing that album, Kicks at Sunset Sound, Jimmy Iovine would come over. And steal Jay to go play on Stevie <laughs> Nicks or, you know, it, it was a really exciting time, you know? Well, I mean, 
what would you do like on an average day in California in the seven? What was it? 74, 74? Well, seventy four. We would or eighty four with kicks. Eighty four right? was kicks. Yeah. Eighty four with kicks. So I, I listened to kicks. Right, and and you can hear just the eighties. It, it's like, it's totally eighties. It is it's I mean, totally eighties. It is the soundtrack. I mean, I, every Karate Kid movie. I mean, just <laughs> you know, I hear all that, and I'm just wondering. Those are some real heavyweight heavyweight musicians to be playing with to right. make that '80s sound, right, right? And I'm just wondering, like, what what you did, like, maybe on an average day. Well, uh, here's here's how that came about. Okay, at the end of the '70s, you know, we we got in a lawsuit with the Crystal Span, the Babies, and we kind of run our course at that point, you know. So, right about 1980, I joined Cherie Curry and Marie Curry, Cherie Curry from the Runaways. Oh. And we did an album called Messing with the Boys for Capital, which uh, that band also included Brian Ray, who is uh, Paul McCartney's guitar player and bass player now. Wow. So we did that album, and then we we're in the process of recording the second album when they got dropped from the label. So literally months after that, they got a movie deal called, the, the movie came out called The Rosebud Beach Hotel. And I, with along with Steve Lukather's wife, produced the the music for that for that movie. We were also in the movie. Wow! And uh, that's how I kind of got in with Luke and those guys was huh. through that. So it wasn't long after that that Luke said, "Yeah, I'll, I'll produce an album for you." Wow! Wow! Okay. All right. So so for folks that don't know, in Wichita Falls, Texas, uh, where we're from. We don't get to talk to many people who made a job, uh, a living as a musician uh, in uh, California in the heyday. Uh, so you'll have to forgive me being a little geeky about this uh, guest we have today on The Shadows. So thank you so much for showing up. Uh, and thanks for agreeing to the interview. And I just want to keep going with like um, you said, the, the Beatles. Who the else? Beatles. Who else is there? Uh, Led Zeppelin. Far, when you were growing up, what did it sound like in in Grandfield, Oklahoma? Oh, it was well. Grandfield was kind of uh, you know off the beaten path, <laughs> but still, they all listened to KOMA out of Oklahoma City. Oh. So we were exposed to a lot of great great stuff. I love the Cream. I love Zeppelin. I love Hendrix. Mm. You, you know all that stuff. You know, and I I keep thinking about. Uh, playing bass did you start out on bass you said you started out on guitar I started out on guitar and then realized that I wasn't going to be a, an incredible guitar player so I switched to bass I always want to ask someone who is like had a career what you might say to someone in our position who might be starting their career or in the midst of it uh, as far as what you see the playing field as now with streaming. And I'm surely you have opinions about distribution and right. Right. And the playing field now, because uh, some people are making a living and some people aren't. And, and I'm to me, it's in my mind, the vision is broken down to those who play live and those who just stream. And I just wonder what your opinion is on that. Cause I know you play a lot live. Right. I've right. found you on streams. Right. Um, and I and generally I ask guests about the streaming playing field, and uh, so I'd like for you to talk a little bit about how distribution has maybe changed since you started out, 
and and what it is now today, and maybe advice you have for someone who doesn't remember how it used to right. be. Right. It, it was it was a different ball game back then. You know, back in the you know seventy four seventy five, when we got uh, we in other words we were produced by Norman Petty, who was Buddy Holly's producer. And wow. Yeah, and so we did the first album with with Norman Petty, and. Compared to today, it's just so different. I mean, it's it's a different world. Back then, you had to have a major label. We were the first band that I know of, and Willie Nelson, who actually started our own label because we couldn't get, we got turned down by Atlantic. We got turned down by almost everybody. So we put out our own album, which was a big deal back then because, you know, uh, pressing time. albums and it, it, it was a very expensive deal. Right, right. But we sold 30,000 albums. Wow! Off our, off our on our first album on our own label, and we, this is this is a great story right here. Do you remember a record chain called Hastings? Oh yeah. Well, John Marmaduke was the guy who was who started Hastings, and back then the majors didn't want independent labels in those stores, and they they called Marmaduke and said, "Look, if you you know we don't want you selling that baby album." Uh, if you don't drop it, we're not going to give you the next Elton John record. And he, he changed the course of everything. He said, listen, baby's out selling Elton John 10 to 1. I'm selling the record. Oh, and wow. that really broke it wide open. Then the stores started taking the album. Oh, wow. That is an incredible story. It's almost like the record labels were muscling you. Oh, they, they did muscle you. You know, they did muscle you back then. I... I, I yeah, I'm really not the best person to talk to about major labels because they haven't done much for me. <laughs> you know, we we got picked up by Mercury after the first album, but they just picked the album up and they released the same record in the same market a year later. Mm-hmm. So radio said, well, we've already played this record, you know. Wow. So we ended up getting dropped by then. Then we signed with Chelsea Records, who was Wes Farrell. Wes Farrell was a producer of the Partridge family, but he was also a hugely successful songwriter. He wrote Twist and Shout. Oh, wow. Uh, Come a little bit closer, you're my kind of man. You know, he wrote that. He had over 200 gold records. So we did an album with him at the record plant in L.A. And uh, the first week the album came out, we added 140 stations, which is the most stations that had been added by an unknown group in history on friday we were top of the world monday morning we go to the record company they're moving the furniture out they've Uh, gone under oh no so baby's kind of cursed a lot of ways just just bad breaks you know yeah yeah uh where you said you got signed at a record label out of new york audio fidelity audio fidelity right and you wound up in California. Well, we, we released a single. This was before Baby. This was The Living End. Oh, The Living End. The Living End. And uh, yeah, once Baby formed, we moved to Amarillo from mm-hmm. Wichita Falls because the scene was better and logistically it was better. And then we moved to San Diego, I think, in 71 and then up to L.A. in 72. Wow. Those, those old records, you know, they just have a sound uh, yeah. to them. And 
and I know that you're playing blues now. Can you talk about what you're doing now or what I just saw you that you had done? Yeah. Uh, well, the blues thing started. I, I was working with a uh, songwriter guitar player in L.A. called Scott Ellison. Mm-hmm. And we wrote together for a long time. And Scotty said, you know what? I'm, I'm, I'm ditching L.A. I'm going back to Tulsa. I'm going to do the blues thing. This was like 92. So I wrote the, the title track for his first CD, which was uh, Chains of Love. So he's had, uh, from then to now, he's had 13 albums. The last one had, the, the last one that he just did here in, I believe it was released in 2021, uh, went to number one. And uh-huh. it had Chains of Love on it, the song that I'd written for his first album. <laughs> and it, it made it to number one. It's been on the charts for a year. That is incredible. It's just incredible. What's happened in my career is a, is a miracle. In 2016, the Texas Blues Runners broke up. and now That was a band with Mike O'Neill, That's right? a band with Mike O'Neill. Mm-hmm. I came up in 2008 to p- sit in with Charlie Rouser, who was from Baby. Mm-hmm. He was playing with Mike. And I wanted to do a blues thing, but I'm a, I'm a singer. I'm not really a blues. You've got to have a great blues guitarist if you're going to do a blues band, you know. Right, right. And... I went in and heard Mike, and I said, there it is. Mm-hmm. And so after the gig, I said, let's start a band. And they go, Steve who? <laughs> no. <laughs> but anyway, we, we had a great run. We had a great one with the Blues Runners. I wish we could have kept that band together because I think we could have broke it through on the third record. Yeah, the Blues Runners, everybody I talk to says, talks about how amazing that band was. Yeah, it was an amazing band, and you know, we wrote some great stuff. And you know, what's happened in the last... Well, since 2016, everything I ever recorded has been re-released. 2016, I started reading reviews about the Kicks record. And I'm thinking, and they were just rave reviews. One guy called it, is it the greatest AOR album ever made? And I'm thinking, who's, who's reviewing a 32-year-old record? And it wasn't two months later I get a call from France uh, Sunset Dreams Records said we want to release Kicks. We're going to do a, a high-quality vinyl with the CD inside. I said, great, man, do it. So they put that out. Then in 2020, another label released it on CD, AOR Heaven. Then the album I did after Kicks with my guitar player buddy, Dwayne Shakwa, who ended up uh, playing on Kicks, and we formed a band called Big Guns. And we did an album, could, just came this close to getting it signed, couldn't get it signed. So it came out in 2021. Huh. But, and I know you just had a song on um, uh, from Baby, I think, on television, too. Oh, that, that's been the, the surprise of everything. All of a sudden, we start getting all these, all these placements in television shows. Space Force. <laughs> They, if you look at the Space Force teaser, that's Star Child off the Baby album. Uh, Quantum Leap. Yeah. They use the same song. Uh, Kevin Can Go Fuck Himself. <laughs> <laughs> they use the song. Uh, we Texas Blues Runners had a song on uh, Queen of the South. Uh, it's just been, it's been amazing. It's been amazing. I have six placements in the last two years. That's a crazy. That reminds me of the Kate Bush song that recently became popular. You know, right? Uh, uh, you never know. That's why you need to put your music out there. It could take ten years for somebody to find it, or thirty, <laughs> or thirty. 
You know, no one was more surprised than me when the baby thing. Well, the you know, like I said, we did the first album with Buddy Holly, a producer, Norman Petty. Well, we were signed at Norvajack, which is their publishing company. And uh, they're the ones that have started getting all the placements. And they put out the full baby anthology, which is Clovis to California. It's everything we ever did. The first album, second album, and the third unreleased album is on there as well. I want you to talk a little bit about what you're doing now. Okay. Right now, I'm working with Scott Ellison Band. Like mm-hmm. I said, we just, he just had a big hit, mm-hmm. big blues hit, and he's got a, probably have a new record out here in the next year or so. He's, it's already in the can. I don't know when it's going to come out. Oh, you're still with him. I thought that tour, I thought that was a... No, no, I've been with Scott for a while now, just doing his gigs and, and you know... Oh, that's great because I love following you on Facebook and seeing everywhere you're at and right, seeing pictures right. of the road and seeing pictures we beat of you the on stage. <laughs> yeah, that's right. You know, it, it, it's uh, it's refreshing to see someone who realizes that hey, we got to get out and play live. Oh, you got to. You yeah. just got to play live. Yeah. I mean, it, it's a just one of those things. It's just another avenue. That's really one of the big sources of income is is live gigs. Yeah. Not here. But, you know, <laughs> elsewhere. Yeah, elsewhere. <laughs> I love Wichita Falls. It's, it's, a, it's, it's been a good music town. There's some great musicians from here. Yeah, yeah. Great I've, musicians. I've had some on my album. I had Jason Brown. Jason's in, excellent. On, on the album. And, uh, and I, I dream someday about that whole Mike O'Neill thing happening sometime in my lifetime. But, uh, you know, it's just uh, there, is a, there is a heritage here, our heritage, a, a cultural like it's just rough in Wichita Falls. Yes, it is. It, you know what? It it kind of always has been. It, compared to a town like Amarillo, now I'm not putting Wichita Falls down. It's a great town, right? But you go to Amarillo. There's there's twenty or thirty clubs there that hire live entertainment. Yeah. You know, and here, what is it like? Three or four? Three or four. Right. Yeah. yeah well, yeah. Oh, well, we got a winery. Oh, there you go. <laughs> Listen, with the blues thing, it's really funny. We'll, we'll be out on the road. We'll play Buddy Guys. We'll play House of Blues. Then we drive up to somebody's cigar shop and unlock, and they got a little tent, and there's like 20 people there. It's oh, a real wow. intimate blues thing. It's what you use to fill up the off nights. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A lot of times I've noticed there'll be uh, acts from out of town here on Tuesday or Wednesday. Right, 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 right. That's it. That's, that's the way they get them. They go, well, we're playing Dallas on Friday. You got a Thursday night, you know? Yeah. So I, I've been I've been really, beside all the bad breaks, I've been lucky in my career and my life. Really, if I die tomorrow, don't shed a tear for me, man. I'm the luckiest son of a bitch that ever lived. I've got a beautiful wife who I write songs with, Cynthia, and I've got a a great place to live and oh. I get to kind of pick and choose which gigs I want to do, you know, and I'm that still working great. on, I'm still working on a new, I'll do a new solo album here within the next year or two. That sounds great. I, I, I admire, uh, the, all the stuff that you've done and the fact that you're still sweet. I mean, it's just like, it's in your blood or something. It is. It is. It's Scott's the same way I am. We're, we're going to make it. We're going to die trying. We'll fall dead on stage. You know, I, it's just the most important thing in a music career is persistence. That's the key. You you get knocked down, you get back up. You keep on going. You keep on going. You keep on writing. You keep on playing. And, you know, my, my advice to young musicians is play what you love to play. 
It doesn't matter if it's popular right now. It doesn't matter. That's not, that's not what it's all about. Play what you love to play. And if you're good enough at it, the audience will come to you. That is, I think that is really good advice to close on, ladies and gentlemen of the shadows. And I want to thank Stephen Crane so much for coming and doing oh, the interview. Thanks so much for having me. It's been a blast. Wow, what a great career. Man, and a great interview. Thank you so much to Stephen Crane. Next up, we've got Laura Kelsey, and she's going to say a little bit about her new song and overcoming injury. This is going to be interesting. Welcome to the shadows. Thank you so much for bouncing around and, and meeting us at, in the middle of the night. And it's just awesome. Thank you so much. For sure. Thank you very much for having me on. It's awesome. For folks that don't know, I'm with uh, Laura Kelsey today and I connected with this music. I want to talk about it coming up. But first, I would like for you to tell uh, the shadows just a little bit about yourself, your your standard intro, and please include where you're from. Mm -hmm. Well, I am a singer-songwriter, vocalist from, uh, right now I'm on Vancouver Island, and that's in Canada. I live in Nanaimo, which is also the Nanaimo uh, First Nations territory. And uh, it's a beautiful place. It's very inspiring to be here. Um, and it's just constant inspiration for songs and, and poetry. And um, I play around, mostly around the province of BC. Um, I have played other places, but I mostly venture around just the province. And I just did, I went on tour, short tour with uh, Canadian musician Matthew Good. Uh, I was his opening act for uh, the, his shows on Vancouver Island, which was a, a great time. Got to play in some beautiful venues. Uh, it's just beautiful up there. You know, I've been there two or three times. It, I mean, it's just like everywhere you look, it's like a movie with beautiful scenery and everything. Mm -hmm. Whereabouts are you? I'm in Texas. Texas. Cool, man. I've never been there. Oh, it's um, it's flat. You know, it's really flat. <laughs> but it's like a movie, too, you know? You just see... I don't know. I've always wanted to go on like the, the great American road trip that you always see in films and, you know, you're just driving from state to state and you're going through, you know, all these different landscapes. And I don't know, Texas seems like a real adventure, but I guess anywhere that you haven't been is an adventure too. <laughs> you know, I was a truck driver for 12 years. and Oh, there I, you go. And I never really got over that. The sensation yeah. of the open road going somewhere uh it still sounds appealing to me to this day uh it's just, it was just all the other stuff <laughs> yeah yeah at least at least the traveling part that hasn't like soured on you right like you're still like into the exploration you're not like oh, i've been on every road i'm not too into continuing on that oh yeah totally totally i there's always adventure around every corner heck there's adventure in the next town over so yeah <laughs> This new song, Your Stormy Ways. 
has a melancholy type atmosphere mm-hmm. to it. And I really appreciate all the things in the song that's going on to serve the atmosphere. There's uh, like hall sounds. There's uh, a chord progression that's in the minor kind of off in the minor kind of modes. There's a vocal that's soaring uh, over it and gets real powerful and then real quiet. And I want to know if you can talk about the importance of this atmosphere that you've created, because I think it's really unique. Cool. Thanks. Um, well, the song itself has elements of, I think like magical feelings. And I think it's been recreated in the, the instrumental. I had a lot of help with the instrumental from producer Winston Hoschild. He's on Bowen Island in BC. And I actually received a grant to record four songs and and do my debut EP. So I got that in the spring. And then over the summer, I was able to like demo up the songs. I demoed them here. And then I would send him, we would go back and forth on ideas on, um, on recording the instrumentation. And so he, he added those, just those, there's some real just little magical moments that he added in that I just loved. And same with the drums, uh, Flavio Cirillo did the drums on there, but Winston really like mapped them out too. And I don't know, I don't want to say tribal, but something and really, I feel like they're emotive. I don't know, um, but I think they all, yeah, they come, they really bring the song together. (laughs) I'm just rambling. (laughs) (laughs) The, The vocal. It's just beautiful because you're, it sounds like there's several points in the songs that you're lifting it up and you have a tendency to do that with your vocal. Like you dig deep and lift up or something. There's a sound or a sensation of that. And the vibrato is perfect. The enunciation is perfect. I mean, I just can't, nothing of the song takes me out of it. And I want to know if you can talk about your voice a little bit because mm-hmm. you can tell a lot of, professional versus uh getting their recordings uh by the lead vocal and and let me tell you yours are there and and i just want you to talk a little bit about your voice for someone who who might not be there yet well it's interesting you know like i i play guitar as well like i do when i do solo gigs and i'm not very good at guitar and i'm I'm certainly i can strum my way through songs i can get through the songs fine but I'm not a guitar player. Like I'm, I'm accompanying my voice because that's what I that's what I enjoy doing, and um, I think I've certainly sang all my life. But you know, just a lot of it was for fun. And then um, I started being in bands many years ago, I guess. And then I started getting into death metal bands, and I found this very cathartic. Yeah, very like. Just, I just wanted to scream out a lot of stuff, I guess, and I did, and I was not screaming correctly. I was hurting my vocal cords, and there's certainly ways of doing, you know, harsh vocals as uh, correctly. I was not doing them. <laughs> I was just screaming, um, and I gave myself vocal nodules, and nodules are when your vocal cords slap together too hard um, and create, like, calluses on them and so that they can't come together properly and slap together when you're talking I'm pretending to have little vocal cord hands right now um, and they're not able to properly come together to create the sounds you want and they're 
they just kind of if you don't remedy that your the nodules and the calluses will just get worse and you want i know you wanted to talk about that a bit yeah i <laughs> wanted to talk about a proper or or recovery techniques of vocals because i just hear such a difference between someone who has their let's just say someone who has their stuff together and someone who's just starting out you know there's a big difference in the way they breathe in the way they enunciate in the way they sound even across their low notes and high notes i mean just all kinds of things and i want to know more about your process because you seem to have leveled up beyond a lot of that stuff I think um, there's a certain feeling like, so what I, um, I went to vocal rehab at a, at a hospital because um, I didn't want to get surgery on my vocal cords, or at least I wanted to avoid that. And I was able to avoid that by kind of massaging the calluses away by doing certain exercises. So you can like um, just kind of hum them away. And that that also brought me to realizing where your voice kind of comes from um, physically so it should be coming up and over through your nose rather than out your throat and I think a lot of people do that starting out and, and continue to right you're singing through your throat and out and, and you need to be like moo. like I did a lot of that um, making just a moo sound getting that vibration in your nose and, and the front of your mouth and pushing that out that way and it really helped um, create just a, a proper vibration in your body that kind of you kind of feel it just tingling down up and down your spine when you're singing correctly uh, and when you're not you can feel that too and then you kind of just have to mentally go hey hey you gotta adjust and so the voice is so emotional um, anything can affect it right you can be singing and suddenly you're just like oh my god I feel terrible and it just goes somewhere different for you I, I really like what you said about the air coming up and over um, out the nose because I have a um, a condition where uh, um, breathing at my my nose is kind of clogged. Uh, mm -hmm. It's like narrow up there, and they want to like go in there and drill it out or whatever. I don't know. Yeah, tough. yeah, sounds fun. Yeah. But it, I wonder, you know, like what you besides the moo i've heard that people breathe through straws and stuff to get their air right are you familiar with any stuff like that too no i mostly i mostly did the moo which is funny just before i talked as well like any speaking i would just do a subtle moo for i don't know how long it went on for but i would just before i would try and sing before i would be speaking with someone for an extensive time. I just okay, okay, and I'm here. Okay, now how? Now I'm going to talk to you, rather than oh, I'm, you know, slumped and I'm talking out my throat. I think there's some postural um, work involved too, like sitting up straighter rather than slumping. Um, but then having something that's blocking, like physically going on with your nose, that could definitely impede uh, the sound coming out of you, right? It does. Uh, and my wife would say it enhances the sound coming out of me while I'm sleeping. Um, oh, yeah. oh. <laughs> earplugs. That's it. That's called earplugs. Like, I needed it. <laughs> That's tough. It, you make me feel positive because when I listen to your song, I'm like, oh, this is nothing. This is nothing. Um, I certainly didn't think I would be singing 
again, I didn't really think about singing for a while. And then I just, it was, it, it took a long time, uh, but, and it was persistence, but I, I sing better now than I ever have for sure. Um, and people really, I don't know, people really enjoy my vocals, which um, is very cool. I, you know, yeah. I've never really been good at anything. So at least I'm kind of good at something. That's good. <laughs> I think a lot of people will relate to that you know, uh, who hear this because we musicians, you know, sometimes we're born, we feel like we're born being good at music and, and that's it. It's like, what are we supposed to do if we're just born being good at music? I really like that you said that. What do you got going on now? What are you doing right now? Um, at, well, just before you called, I was, or I called you, um, I'm working on editing a music video right now for your stormy ways. And I filmed um, a guy on a boat, um, pretending to be the captain of the boat. And then we've been waiting for rain here. And, you know, it's kind of a temperate rainforest that we live in. Uh, but there has been no rain for like three or four months. So, um, which I guess happens sometimes, but uh, I've wanted some rain for the video. It's a storm, your stormy ways. So, <laughs> oh, yeah, totally. <laughs> uh, but it ended up filming on the beach with um, some wonderful actresses um, last Sunday. And then I'm just like, you know what? This is a kind of a Halloween kind of video. Let's, let's get it out for Friday. So I'm frantically trying to, it's mostly done, but now um, I've got a friend who does special effects and he is. Um, adding first we thought we'd blow up the boat and he added <laughs> a, like an explosion and blew up the boat and I was like I watched it I was like this looks so cool but this is violence <laughs> I know there's like straight up violence in the video <laughs> so we probably shouldn't do this um, so yeah that's something that's going on um, and I've got the EP will be out in um, 2023 it's called hunting season and um I, yeah i just got through a series of shows and i'm probably going to take a break for a month for doing shows i got to catch up on other work and stuff and i've got a child as well and um yeah just try and create some more <laughs> the explosion looked so good it looked so good but uh, it looked real. It looked like the boat was really exploding. And I was like, this is too, once I actually saw it and I was like, oh, this is too realistic. This is not, this can't be in the video. <laughs> oh man. I want to see the explosion now. I know. I think we should have like an alternate take of like <laughs> the explosion and <laughs> what the other, you know, possible magical thing that happens instead. That's what remixes are for. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, this has been an awesome interview. I really appreciate you coming on. What we're going to do is we're going to put you on with um, Stephen Crane, who uh, played with uh, several bands in the 70s. Thank you for including me. I appreciate it. Oh, I'm excited. I'm excited. And thank you for bouncing around all over the place. and come. <laughs> <Yeah, no worries. laughs> I'm glad it worked out. That was good. We got some really good stuff. Can you tell people where to find you and and the best place where you want them to find you even? Yeah, I've got a website, uh, laurakelsey.com. And then from there, I've got links to, you know, Spotify, Bandcamp, um, all the all the usual suspects. And then YouTube as well. Um, I'm always looking for 
subscribers and followers. I don't have a lot. I'm not very good at promoting myself, so I'm trying right now. <laughs> this is my try, but uh, it really helps with grant applications as well. Like you say, hey, I've got this many followers, and it you know it's not just an ego boost. It's kind of an actual um, helpful helpful thing to do. So I think if if anybody ever wants to just support musicians and you're like well i don't really have any money right now i don't want to i don't have the money to buy their music or their merch just following them like having that extra number on their social media is actually helpful so yeah absolutely everyone everyone take note follow your musician well done good for you good for you for highlighting you know independent music and musicians and giving people a voice it's it's really helpful thank you oh it's my pleasure i live for it and thanks for coming on the shadows i can hit the button now i think i got everything i need you're awesome awesome Awesome, kelly thank you so much thank you have a great evening all right what a show thank you to our guests Stephen crane and laura kelsey and of course to kelly what do we have coming up Well, we have Brady Joe and the what. See you in the shadows.